0: Yo, what is up? Welcome to ambition My name is Dylan Price, and today's episode is going to be a fun one. It is the second edition of Sports Fan Talk, and this week's guest is Adam Cavello. Yet again, he's coming on the podcast. We're going to kind of do a sequel of the first one where we kind of tie up the loose ends we left off, talking about the draft, talking about what quarterback the Giants were going to get, talking about basketball, etc., it's going to be a fun one. Adam, how are you doing?
1: I'm Not doing good. good. How are so you? So just
0: starting at the top, last week, the New York Giants selected Daniel Jones to a shock of some people, including yourself, a little bit. So let's talk about that. How? What was your feelings about that?
1: I mean, there was many other people on the board that I think, me and you, think that they should have taken, like. Josh Allen, Ed Oliver, um, and people like that. I think they were on the board, and I even Dave get, Dave Gettleman said that he knows he knows two teams that would have taken him before seventeen crap. for a fact. But exactly, I do not believe that who's going to take them. He was fourth on most of the teams' boards, in my opinion, and probably in most people's. Nobody was going to take him, but I mean. If they really are in love with Daniel Jones of the way that people are talking about it, then you go out and get him. But he better perform at a high level once he starts. I think the way he said it was going to be three years. I don't – if you draft someone at six, if you draft someone at six, you're not going to make him wait for three years. I don't think that's right for them to do. I don't think they will do it. I think this is Eli's last year. I think he will have a chance to start before the end of this year. He, he really sh- he really should be performing at a high level if they draft him. Now, my
0: thing about it was I like Daniel Jones. I'm not a big Daniel Jones guy. He was probably number four, I'd say, on my board when I did my top five early and didn't really shift much. What I will say, though, is he is part of that Duke head coach, Blackcliffe, kind of tree where he produced Peyton, or worked with Peyton and worked with Eli. So if Peyton's going in Gettleman's ear and saying, take him, have Eli work with him, this is a good idea. Gettleman's probably like, oh, I should listen to Peyton. Well, this could work, but how soon and really was it worth a sixth pick remains the question because with guys like, as you said, Josh Allen, Ed Oliver, guys who could be immediate difference makers, and you take a quarterback who, let's be real here, you could have at least gotten at 17. If not, you could have traded up to maybe, I don't know, 14, 13 or something and gotten him if you really were that nervous that Washington was going to take him. Because if you look back at it, the Bengals definitely had Haskins higher higher rated but I think it was Murray or Buss for them and the Broncos weren't going to take Daniel Jones over Drew Locke so I don't really see Gettleman's point of view on it and I think it was kind of a dumb decision in that sense but I did like a little bit of the rest of the first round so let's talk about that a little of the rest of the first round and rest of the draft what was your favorite Giants move
1: um I liked the Lawrence pick I think that was a good pickup. Even though Montez Sweat was on the board and I know he was he was high on your board, but I think either of those guys are gonna be difference makers. I don't we but with the thirty pick, we picked um, Baker and I don't I don't really like that one because we there was other guys on the board like Greedy Williams, which was my first corner cornerback that I liked the most. But I think they're both gonna be very good solid players for the Giants. I don't think they're gonna be stars, but I think they're going to be solid players that we'll have on our team. To me, it seemed as if
0: Gettleman just couldn't like, I don't know, this sounds bad, but like couldn't take the hint. Like if you're at 17, I had sweat (laughs) a lot higher rated, as I said, than Dexter Lawrence, but I still had Lawrence as a first round or mid first kind of thing. So yeah. Okay. That one makes sense, but you trade back into the first round. So you already give up compensation to move up. I don't remember exact compensation on that one. So you trade back in and instead of trading in, or trading up for a guy who you could have gotten in the second round probably mid-second you pick him in the first this just seems to me like gentleman was overestimating players values and the war room of the Giants kind of needs a overhaul I'd say in my eyes but I don't know
1: I think, I think what he was thinking that Every, like, star player that was rated highly on every board. What I think – I thought – I think he thinks that everybody was going to be a bust or something because he didn't pick Haskins. He didn't pick Montez Sweat. He didn't pick Greedy Williams. I don't know what he was if doing. they all
0: turn out to be busts, Gettleman's going to look a lot smarter than all of us. That will...
1: But they're not going uh, to, Reeves... so –
0: on the bust radar, I'd say, or a little bit already. But I'm a big fan of him, and I'm a big fan of pretty much all LSU quarterback or cornerbacks. And uh, I liked a couple of the other guys that were on the board. As you said, Montez Sweat was pretty highly rated on mine after how he tore up the combine. So I don't know. It remains to be seen. But the other New York team, and you know I'm going to flaunt this a little had a great draft, and that would be the New York Jets. I'd say the only pick they necessarily whiffed on was the fourth rounder with Travis Wesco. but my favorite pick of that first round was Ja'Kai Polite because I think it was a great value pick because I necessarily think he could have been a mid-first rounder, but he fell off a couple teams' boards with bad performances at the Combine. And, yes, and Williams was a great pick in my eyes, even though I was one of the people opposed to the trade down, and it seemed as if it was going to be that way. I settled for kind of the trade down in my head. So when they got Quinn and I was very happy, but getting Ja'Kai Polite, it was essentially getting two first rounders, not having to trade up for anything, and not losing any compensation for the future because now you have all your picks next year to continue to build around the roster. And if Polite can be that elite edge rusher the teams lack for a while, maybe not even elite, but a double-digit sack kind of guy. And Williams can provide that interior pressure. And some of the other picks like Blake Cashman and um, Chuma Adoga can come in and make a difference within the next one to two years. This will come out looking like a evidently much better draft than the Giants to tie it all together, but one of the best drafts in Mike McKaganin's tenure as he's likely fighting for his job at the end of the year. As a Giants fan, what
1: were your thoughts on the Jets' draft? Uh, The Jets had one of the best drafts. I mean, they quite – no, probably daddively the best draft. But they've had a very good offseason with um, C.J. Mosley and Le'Veon Bell. So this team is shaping up to be a very good team. I mean, they could win now. I don't think they're going to get much – I don't think they're going to win – their division with the Patriots just yet, but they are they are going to be the biggest threat in that division against the Patriots, in my opinion. They have a good team, good defense now with the two pickups in the first round from defense of Quinn and Williams, and I think they're going to be better than the Giants. I hate to say it, but they probably will be. But the Giants, I think they're just going into, like, rebuild mode at this point. After Eli's gone this year, they're just going to try to rebuild this team as much as they can. And hopefully it's not with Gettleman because I don't know what he's doing.
0: You and I have had our little jokes about what we think is wrong with Gettleman, but I think that's a little bit not PG-13 for the air currently. But to tie it all together a little, last time you and I talked on air, we talked about how Haskins could go at six and how both of us like the idea of Haskins at six. But now looking back on it, Haskins falls to 15 to Washington. And necessarily, you said the Jets – And even as a Jets fan, looking back at the draft, I think the Cardinals had a great draft. I think the Patriots had a really good one, too. There were a couple other teams. The Ravens had a nice one as well. But to me, the best draft was the Redskins it was like a power move in a sense that they didn't have to trade up to get Haskins. So they got the number one quarterback on their boards because in the minds of them, Murray was actually number two to Haskins after talking with one of my sources in the league it feels very weird saying that never thought I'd be saying that. But what they said was, you know, Haskins was highly rated. They were going to trade up with the jets or a team necessarily. And, get him, but then he falls right into their laps, they get Haskins, you save that compensation, oh, and you trade back into the first round to get Montez Sweat as a power move, and then you have a really good rest of your draft that necessarily fills out the depth chart even more, you have good running backs with Adrian Peterson and now a returning Darius Geis, you have a pretty solid team all around, as long as Haskins plays right away, they got a couple guys, including one friend of the show, Kelvin Harmon and Terry McLaurin, and I believe Paris Campbell as well. They have good threats all around. I think Washington could be no joke this year. Washington could be one of those teams that could underratedly maybe push for like a 9-7, and 10-6 card thing. They don't have a tough schedule, keep in mind, because they didn't play very well. As a Giants fan, what were your thoughts on Washington's draft, and do you see them to be poised as a real threat in the NFC East this season?
1: So, I I I was watching some things on ESPN and stuff, and I I actually heard somebody say that uh, Haskins was actually third on their board, and Jones was ahead of them. And that I didn't really believe that at all because I thought, like you said, that Haskins was highly rated on their board. And I don't, I really don't think everything's going to come together for the Redskins this year. I mean, maybe in a couple years, but. This division still is going to be owned by the Cowboys and Eagles. Cowboys are not going to get out of the first round of playoffs like always, but maybe um, maybe there can be like a, a Cinderella story from the from the Redskins or the Giants this year because pretty much anything can happen in that division. That you is never true.
0: Know. Every year it seems as if. You bank on a team like last year, everybody banked on the Eagles. The Cowboys surprised you. One year, it was everyone's banking on the you guys. And then all of a sudden, here come the Redskins. It just changes like the wind almost. And like what you said, I don't know how accurate it was about the Jones thing. In my head, it still seems like Gettleman trying to make up for taking him at six, which in his case, you know what? The one thing I was thinking about as you and I are on air, too, is There was opportunity galore for, say, the Redskins if they were really that in love with Jones. Or I think it was rumored that it was the Bengals that were the other team that were interested in Jones. They both could have traded up. The Jets were obviously for sale. The Bills were for sale. The Lions were for sale. I could go on. There were teams that wanted to get out of the pick they were in. They could have got the pick at a cheap rate and took Jones ahead of where the Giants did. And Gettleman could have gotten another playmaker. And... They didn't have that desire to, which makes me think they didn't like him as much as Gettleman's saying he's just trying to make up for a bad selection and kind of get his, you know, self off maybe the hot seat. I mean, he could be a questionable person and could potentially be fired this offseason or next offseason.
1: I mean, I mean, I think the Giants are the, the only team that were going to take Daniel Jones in the top ten. If somebody traded – up into the first round, like with the Jets, they are not taking Daniel Jones. They were taking Haskins
0: or Allen or an elite player.
1: Yeah, they were not taking Daniel Jones. The Giants are the only team that would have taken Daniel Jones. But you do have to say this, that if they really are in love with the quarterback and with the whole Peyton Eli thing and stuff like that, they were in love with him. You take him with the first pick you have, and you, you better bet that he is a talent and that he's borderline hall of fame when he's done with his career. If you take him with a six pick.
0: One thing as we kind of transition out of football a little halfway through this podcast episode is one big storyline right now has been the Tyreek Hill situation in Kansas city. And I don't want to get into that with you and I, that's a little bit too controversial political for ambitious. But one thing I will say is a potential maybe fill in for him Or even replacement, who is a lot like him, was an under-the-radar move in my eyes, was Macaulay Hardman. He was not on my board, necessarily, as a wide receiver target. I thought this was a good wide receiver class, but a lot of them fell. He was an example of that. But he ended up being one of the top wide receivers taken off the board, and he is a speedster like Tyreek Hill. Hill wasn't on a lot of people's boards. Hardman, for opposite reasons, though, not the -the off-the-field issues that Hill had when he came out in 2014-15. But Hardman could be a threat to be that kind of guy who provides fantasy buzz and continues to be one of those big names that, you know, with the Chiefs having their issues in that front office, could be an under-the-radar guy to keep an eye on. But I'm going to kind of shift from that a little into basketball. Last time we did this, as I said, this is kind of the sequel wrapping up the loose ends of the last time we talked. We talked about how, you know, the Lakers— basically eliminated what was next was LeBron the issue etc this was a couple months ago now looking back on it I look like an idiot for saying that you know maybe they could make a push or if everyone got healthy yeah I look real dumb right now because they're looking for a new head coach because they fired Luke Wallen who I thought was the problem looking from the outside in what was your opinion on the Lakers organization
1: um, I said last time that it wasn't all Luke Gu's fault and I didn't I didn't think it was blamed to him, but they did fire him. And I mean we can, just like I said last time, we can go back to the Anthony Davis situation and that's where it all started. And the teammate chemistry, they're gonna have to figure something out. And whoever does get hired, which is looking like Ty Lu at this point, is gonna is gonna have a big role to fill. They're gonna he's gonna have to get everything together with the team, get it back in place to where it was at the beginning of the season. He's going to have to balance out minutes between Ingram, Ball, all the young guys on that team. And I think that's going to be a very hard place to coach next year, but if you can get it done, you have a playoff caliber team. One
0: thing that's been talked about a lot is obviously Magic Johnson left, so now they have the void in the front office that Rob Polink is going to essentially take over with Jeannie Bus taking a little more essential role in the organization as well, and potentially Ty Lue when he is hired, or if a Dark Horse candidate comes out, then that will happen. But one thing that's been talked about a lot is that this is the summer. This is the summer that you dictate whether or not LeBron going to L.A. was a success, because this is the big summer. You have Klay Thompson, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Jimmy Butler, all these you know high-caliber players. I could go on for a while. You also have a really good draft with J.A. Morin, Zion Williamson, R.J. Barringer, Culver, Boy Boy, I think I pronounced his name wrong, or Bull Bull or whatever, um, <laughs> and a lot of other good depth in the draft class. This is a impactful summer for especially the Lakers, But one thing that I can't really get away from is you've got Lonzo. It's evident Lonzo and the Lakers aren't on great terms right now. Kyle Kuzma's coming off a not-so-great year. You kind of compare him with LeBron as the key pieces of the future. So Lonzo can be trade-beat. I liked what Ingram did. Ingram maybe could stay either Ingram or Kuzma in the package. The first-rounder and Josh Hart to... New Orleans for Anthony Davis. I think it would be a good deal. You get Davis and you'd still have enough cap to try to get someone like maybe Jimmy Butler who loves LA. If you could come out of this offseason, maybe with not even without Kuzma Kuzma and just a big three of Jimmy Butler, Anthony Davis and LeBron to end up pairing that with Tyloo, this Lakers team would look ten times better than it does right now with the unproven, you know, younger players and Tyloo not having the kind of players he had in the past. Or, dare I say it, walking out of this offseason with LeBron and Kyrie Irving plus Lonzo, Kuzma, Ingram, etc. The Lakers could come out of this season looking like powerhouses. Or, they could come out looking like duds and walk out with LeBron and a couple role players again like last offseason. What do you see potentially happening? And especially now, as we transition to the summer, what do you see happening with your New Orleans Pelicans?
1: Um, New Orleans Pelicans, I have, they are not trading Anthony Davis to the Lakers, okay? That's, that's first off. They're not trading him to the Celtics. I, In my eyes, I think there's two things that could happen. Probably, the prob- the probable thing that probably will happen is he's going to stay, our new GM, he's going to work something out with him to make him stay. He's going to try to build a roster around him with, probably going to have Anthony Davis helping him and telling him who he wants on the team around him. So this is a big offseason for us, too. We're probably not going to sign any big free agents like Kyrie Irving or Clay Thompson. We'll probably sign some guys that will fill very good roles for the team. And the other thing that I think could happen, probably won't, is we trade Anthony Davis for the next first-round pick if they do get it in the lottery.
0: I think this is, as obviously a Laker fan looking into it, um, if I'm sitting in that office right now and I have control of the roster, what I do is I ask Davis to come in and say, "Look, obviously we can't afford to get a Kyrie, Kevin Durant, a Clay Thompson kind of player, but what if we walked out of this off season with Chris Middleton, you, and Holiday?" is that a team you would want to play on? And if he says yes, okay, you put all your chips in the basket and you go after Chris Middleton or like a Kemba Walker type. Or he says, well, screw that, I'd rather play somewhere else. And you trade him to say, I think it's going to be a big market team. I don't necessarily, yes, I think the Knicks make sense. I don't think there's a chance in hell they give up the first for Anthony Davis because of the contract that Davis is on. I would do it because I think Zion for Davis maybe straight up isn't the best deal, but it would be a better deal than having Davis not really happy and getting a star power for the Knicks and also still being able to bring in a max contract or two. So I like the idea of the Knicks trade, but I like the idea, I think, even better, even though I don't think it will happen of Anthony Davis staying and kind of building that team around with Chris Middleton, Kemba Walker-type player, and then Holiday. But what realistically seems like is going to happen to me is Davis is going to get traded. It could be a team like you are neglecting to agree to, like Boston, L.A., or the Knicks. Or this is the team I think it's going to be. What about the Clippers? He wants to be in L.A. The Clippers have money. The Clippers have pieces to get him. They have draft picks they can put in the pot and get him. So what if they walk out of this free agency with Anthony Davis and Kawhi Leonard? That's my big prediction, is that they walk out of this free agency, period. They get Anthony Davis, they get Kawhi Leonard, and that's a team to watch. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Okay, first off, how do you know he wants to play in L.A.? He's never, like, publicly stated that Rich before. All
0: his representative, and, is based out of L.A., and there's multiple reports that have came out that he wants to be in a big market team where he can have the money to do endorsements, et cetera, and have that opportunity at his doorstep. But, like you said, though, he could end up in a small market team as well, but the Clippers just make sense to me. Continue.
1: The Clippers? Who who is Anthony Davis gonna to want to play with Kawhi. on the Clippers? He wants to play with another with an boy. Well, they would have to go Kawhi first, so all why right. Not? But I don't. Kawhi is not Kawhi gonna Kawhi leave, Toronto. leave Toronto.
0: Let's be real. Here. Kawhi went Can on we, Serge Ibaka's no little not. talk show, and Serge Ibaka said, "You going to you going to stay in Toronto?" And he said, eh, "I don't know." He's not staying. Even if they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, I don't think he's staying in Toronto. He's not committed. It's a great place Canada's great but it's not a like forever place for someone like Kawhi he's a superstar and being in Canada is not the best place for him to stay I think he would fit in well in with LA and not the Lakers because he doesn't want to play with LeBron so why not the Clippers they have interest in him he has interest in going there good fit you get him you trade up get rid of some of the big contracts you have around him they have enough room for another max slot and you trade for Anthony Davis. It's not a dumb idea, and we could be coming back to this in a couple months looking at it as something that happens.
1: Okay, so many things have to happen for Anthony Davis to go to the Clippers. First off, the Clippers have to get Kawhi, which is going to be very minimal of that happening. I think
0: we're going to look back on that. And, as and you being very wrong.
1: Okay, we can do that, but... Let's say Kawhi doesn't sign with the Clippers. And he signs with Toronto again or somewhere else. Anthony Davis is not playing with Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams. He's not going to do that.
0: It, I think you're right on that sense of that. It's going to require a second star for Davis to like want to go to a team. Like If he wanted to go to Boston, I think Kyrie would have to stay. I think if he wanted to go to L.A., LeBron has to be there either way. But there's obviously questions about whether he'd want to play with LeBron. But if he goes to the Knicks, he gets to be that number one player. But he's seen that. He's the opposite of what players want. Players like Clay Thompson want to leave and see what they can do on their own. Kyrie wanted to see what he could do on his own. Davis is the opposite. He's had to carry this franchise in his back for four or five and a half years. And now he wants to go somewhere where he can be on a contending team, pair with another superstar, so why not? If the Clippers trade for Kawhi, why not? Or or not trade for Kawhi, sign Kawhi. Or even like Boston, if Kyrie decides, you know what, I'm going to stay, they can say, well, you know what, Al Horford, you bottled up Giannis one game, time to go, buddy. He goes. And then you trade away, I don't know, Gordon Hayward or, and a young player, and you get Anthony Davis. He's going to... He's going to end up in L.A. and Boston in my eyes either way, and that's my bold prediction also along with Kawhi and Anthony Davis in L.A.
1: My prediction is Anthony Davis is staying in New Orleans.
0: I definitely think we're going to have to do a third part of this little series, follow up on everything we just said again, because likely what will end up happening is we'll probably look back on this in the summer and Daniel Jones will be in training camp tearing it up and looking like the best quarterback out of the draft. And Dwayne Haskins will be playing bad, and Lakers will have had to traded for Kevin Durant or something, and we're going to be all baffled again.
1: Well, let's get this straight. I think Dwayne Haskins is a bust, so we can we can get that out of the way. Kyler bad. Murray is going to be a solid starter, but he's not going to be anything people are talking about him being because you need to be – Russell Wilson is a great quarterback, but I don't think Kyler Murray is Russell Wilson in any any sense. He was one year as a starter in college and that's all he has. So I don't think he's gonna be and he's going up against grown men in the NFL, not college kids. So that's my thing. I think
0: he's very little. I think he's got a hell of an arm though. He's got the fighting spirit. I think with Kingsbury, that's a really good fit too. I like the fit. I like the team. I think he, like you said, could be a solid starter. I think he's going to be dynamic either way because he's the first pick, and you got Rosen traded basically to get him. But let's talk about that a little too, in the sense of, do we think Rosen's going to do good in Miami, or is Rosen going to flounder?
1: Um, I don't know. We're going to have to see. I
0: think he. Uh, I think.
1: He has the same talent in Miami as he did in Arizona. He doesn't have anything more than what he did have. So, I mean, probably the same thing he did in Arizona. Horrible.
0: I think they're going to flutter around in mediocrity as they have in the past. I think Rosen's going to be eh at best for them. Rosen was, I think, my third rated last year when I ended. and I had Darnold, Mayfield, Rosen, Jackson, and... Uh, Who's the fifth one in my group? Oh, Allen. I had Allen for one. Jackson 5. And looking back on it, I think I did a good job. I think Darnold and Mayfield are definitely the top two of this class. I think Allen is definitely up there as probably 3 or 4 range. And I think Rosen looks like, well, eh at this point. And like a Jay Cutler kind of 2.0, but even worse, I think. And I think Lamar Jackson, to end out the show, is... With a little debate, is nothing more than a glorified running back.
1: I mean, he pretty much carried the Ravens to the playoffs last year. That's he where did we're gonna not. put that. And you,
0: the guy who just yes, he the did. Sets, the guy who went to the Rams, C.J. Mosley and Eric Weddle, and the great Ravens defense carried them there.
1: On the offense side, on the offensive side of the ball, not defense. The offensive side of the, the ball, ball.
0: They had to the score of what, like nine points a game to be able to beat the other team, they were shutting teams out. They were dominating other teams. That was a great defense. And Lamar basically – If you had Joe Flacco –
1: if you had Joe Flacco out there, they wouldn't have done – they wouldn't have gotten to the playoffs.
0: Arguably, if they had started Joe Flacco in that playoff game, they could have been playing in the next round of that playoffs. I think he threw a quarterback to the Wolves who's not even a quarterback.
1: You go ahead and when Lamar Jackson in three years is one of the best in the league's – We'll look back on us, all right?
0: Lamar is nothing more, and I hope one day I'm interviewing him because then this is gonna look real bad. Because
1: this is gonna be hilarious.
0: I think Lamar is nothing more than a glorified running back because he's just he's not Cam Newton because he doesn't have the Newton arm. He's inaccurate and he's he's not big built. He's honestly the worst case scenario for Kyler Murray but I think Kyler actually has an arm that Lamar doesn't. Lamar is one of those players that could have transitioned to wide receiver and been a star in the league, whereas quarterback this year, there's no good backup. Who's your backup going to be, RG3? (laughs) The dude couldn't cut it doing the same job that Lamar had to do. And then next you got Trace McSorley, who obviously I like, but he's the same situation as Lamar, where he's just going to be like a Taysom Hill kind of guy. I think Baltimore made a bad decision trading Flacco because now you have a glorified running back at quarterback. And on the rest of the team, you've got like seven running backs, 10,000 wide receivers, and you don't have a true quarterback in my eyes. And that's how I feel about it. And I think the Ravens are going to look bad this year now.
1: Dylan, just wait. wait. Just wait, please, all right? It's going to look that.
0: bad if we walk out of this little thing and Ravens end up winning the AFC North next year. But I think it's going to be the Steelers.
1: The Steelers. I think
0: the Browns are going to be all hype and turn into a nine and seven. They could be a wild card type team. I think. I think the Ravens are going to be mediocre, like seven, nine, nine and seven, eight and eight range kind of thing. And I think the Steelers are going to be ten and six, eleven and five range. They have a good. team. the Browns. They have a good- on the
1: Browns. If every player on that team plays their their basketball football, they're they're going to be undefeated, or hey, I mean, it's not going to happen, but no. if every player on that team played their best, I they like can go Matthews. undefeated.
0: I like Beckham. I like Landry. I like Kareem Hunt even when he's not kicking other people and women. He's not going to be starting running
1: back on that team.
0: I like Chubb too. I like a lot of the players they have on that team. But you know what scares me about that team? Look at their coach, Freddie Kitchens. Nobody wanted him as an offensive coordinator. He didn't get a head coach interview anywhere. He's not highly rated on other people's radars. Yeah, he could go out there and prove all of us wrong and be the next Bill Belichick, but if nobody really wanted him and you have 31 other teams in the league not really wanting him, then why the hell is he going to succeed in Cleveland of all places? Because, what, he has a talented players and a GM who's off the walls?
1: I mean, we're not wrong about that because – you need a new. You need a good coach because there's a lot of different personalities on that team.
0: Yeah, what's it, he gonna do when Odell starts pissing on the kicking net again? <laughs> just watch.
1: I mean, that's what Tom Coughlin did when uh, Odell was there. When he was there, so
0: Baker and Odell are gonna be standing over there, messing with the fans, messing with the kicking nets, and Freddie's just gonna be sitting there. Calm down, guys. Relax. <laughs> it's not gonna work.
1: That means you're not wrong. So
0: The AFC North is a, bas- uh, is a basket case. You have a team that nobody wanted to play for last year. Everyone wanted to hold out on. A team with Andy Dalton at quarterback. A team with a glorified running back at quarterback. And a coach who's going to just sit there and watch his players piss over everything, apparently. <laughs> it's a joke. And everybody's talking about it as the most hyped-up division.
1: Oh, my God. Do you have any uh,
0: closing thoughts as we can sign this episode off, Adam?
1: Um it was a good talk, Dylan.
0: Well, thanks again for coming on. Obviously, I'll see you soon. We have a whole golf season. Well, half a golf season left remaining. It's been a fun one, and we'll obviously probably have to have a third episode of this when everything we just said gets proven wrong. Have a good one, and thanks oh. again for coming on, Adam.
1: Yep. Thank you. You're
0: welcome. And